0: We want you to become an honorary Gosling. Join us. You'll get exclusive access to conversations and content that would otherwise get us banned from social media. Plus, you'll get free digital downloads of some of our books and selective writings. And check this out. You'll get to participate in our live monthly Discord chat and more if you join our exclusive Patreon following that we like to call The After Party. It only costs $5 a month, which is basically a cup of coffee, and it helps us make the show better. We love you guys and can't wait to see you there. Become an honorary goslings at patreon.com forward slash the goslings and sign up today.
1: When I was a teenager, kind of a rebellious teenager, um, I played around with the Ouija board by myself. I was convinced that other people were pushing it, like when I would see it, like I'm like, this doesn't really work. And I also wanted to see if something was on the other side.
0: Your YouTube feed is crap. Stop wasting your time watching bot-boosted shills and self-appointed gurus cloying for your attention. Instead, join The Gosslings, interview, live, stream, and podcast. The Gosslings, a dark-lit digital speakeasy of free thinkers, a super chat of radical truth-seeking wizards, we trolls for second breakfast topics that'll make your mama's hair stand on end ideas that'll make your pastor's knees knock guests that will illuminate the hidden chambers of your mind and interviews that strike down the darkness welcome to the goslings
2: What's up everyone, I'm Jonathan, I'm Nick, and we are the Goslings, Welcome. and we have an awesome spooky stream for you guys today. Spooky stream, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why don't you tell us about it, Nick?
0: Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. We have a uh, couple of paranormal investigators
2: uh-huh. who have
0: uh, a lot of experience in this type of thing that were gracious enough to offer us their time for our Halloween episode to talk about the paranormal. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be really great. Um, first, uh, we are going to... Uh, go through our obligatories, uh, as you guys know, uh, subscribing, uh, helps us tremendously, uh, grow the show and get this in front of people who, uh, will really uh, find value in doing everything that we're trying to do here. So, uh, hit the bell, do all the things we'd appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, before we get into our sponsors,
2: we should, yeah. we got to do our toast. Oh, absolutely. Let's do the toast. Uh, you want to start this time? I yeah. think I've done it like the past three times. I'd be so. happy to that's because I'm so lucky at rock, paper, silver. <laughs> so it's not, I don't want to lose again.
0: <laughs> All right. Take up your drinking vessels and take up the broken sword of your father. And
2: strike down the darkness. Cheers. Cheers. Say, Nick, what are these awesome mugs we're drinking from?
0: Well, it's funny you should ask. These are rather sharp, aren't they? they are. Uh, these are the Cothon Spartan mugs made by Joel Cherico at the Cherico Pottery. Each one is handcrafted. These are the <laughs> official mugs. Uh, well, they're the official mugs of Spartans. What I mean by that is this is the Cothon mug is the mug that the Spartan traveled with and yep. used, made, designed in collaboration with the great Stephen Pressfield.
3: Yeah, the
2: Jedi master yeah. of writing and expert on all things Lacedaemonian. Lacedaemonian. Or Spartan for the uninitiated. But right. we are initiated, aren't we? Oh, I'm very you initiated. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, all kinds of initiated. <laughs> yeah. So you can go to Jerichopottery.com. C h uh, e r r i c o pottery dot com and uh, Joel is a sweetheart. He runs the whole thing pretty much by himself, doing it all. It's amazing. Uh, Money well spent. Every one of these is individual and uh, we absolutely love them. He's been incredibly gracious to us. He will be incredibly gracious to you as well. Excellent sterling silver of a human.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of sterling
2: silver, that beard's looking good. It is looking really good. You know, it doesn't matter how much money I spend on the beard. What really makes the beard is the incorporation of Jardani Jovanovic hair care products. You will see it behind us here, our display. Uh, various Jardani Jovanovic hair care products. That's uh, J-A-R-D-A-N-I-J-O-V-O-N-O-V-I-C-H dot com. And go there and check them out. Another small business, husband and wife team. They are excellent. Uh, Mike Fisher is the guy who runs the company. And it is our second in-kind sponsor. We are very grateful. And all of his shampoos, his hair care products for my beard. The beard pomade is excellent. And uh, I really love the uh, hand and face cream. Mm, yeah. uh, because my job requires me to be on my feet a lot of times during throughout the day. And I'm out in the weather excellent excellent. so uh <laughs> real products for real men or as i like to say be as sexy as you are deadly with jarvonnie.com
0: awesome thanks to mike fisher for the sponsorship yeah. there and uh, we got a lot of people on the t- we got well mike's on the chat with oh, us hey, what's, up, what's up man thank you for joining oh shannon's on mm-hmm. good to see everyone thanks for joining um i think we are about ready to bring on our guests yep. now should we
1: yeah absolutely
0: we should all right yeah. well we are uh Today we are being joined by Stephen Ty and Janet Kelly, two yeah. paranormal investigators, friends, mm-hmm. and now friends of the show. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Stephen and Janet. How are you guys doing?
1: Hello. How are you?
0: Good. I'm going to put you up here next to Stephen, and we'll we'll be down here. In Ladies the, first. We're down here in the graveyard. Yes, I can. I'm wearing the spookies. There we go. <laughs> spooky zone. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Tell us a little bit and Janet let's we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into paranormal investigation and then we'll kick it over to Stephen.
1: Okay, well, the paranormal investigating part is a kind of a long story. Um I can revisit it if you want me to, but um when I was a teenager, kind of a rebellious teenager, um I played around with a Ouija board by myself. I was convinced that other people were pushing it. Like when I would see it, like, I'm like, this doesn't really work. And I also wanted to see if something was on the other side. Mm. So not knowing much about, I know being in this field, there's a lot of people that say you have to close them properly, use them properly. I just pulled it out of the box, put it on my lap, put my hands on the planchette, which is that triangle type of piece. And would say, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Is there anybody here? Planchette would never move. And I would throw it back in a box, try it again, try it again a few more times. Well, it ended up being a year-long haunting that terrorized me. Jeez. And when I finally was able to get rid of it years later, I wanted to face those fears and get some answers. And that's why I got into the paranormal field gotcha
2: and how old were you janet 16 16. you know that seems to be when most people girls especially get involved in ouija boards and stuff like that low-level witchcraft um we've had this conversation multiple times with people about ouija boards and how innocent and innocuous and fun i mean it's made by milton bradley so (laughs) no big deal right like who cares it's not you know there's not some dark-robed priests standing over the the factory, you know, doing incantations on it. But it's almost like it doesn't matter. Like, we hear this consistently. Shannon has talked about it. I had a friend who uh, had the same thing happen. And it's always in that, that teenage girl range, you know. Why do you think that is?
1: Hormones, maybe. I was a rebellious yeah. teen, so I had a lot of anger at that time.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Female energy at that age,
3: hmm. yeah, <laughs> teenage
1: potent. daughters, sometimes they go from moody to happy to sad real, real, real quick.
2: Yeah.
0: So how did, so you said it took a, a for a year, it troubled, you took a year to close it. How did you do that?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, it, the activity didn't happen every day. It was sporadic and it started off with scratching over the head of my bed. I had my bed in a corner, two walls and I would hear scratching and I was—I just said, must be mice. You know, we had mice in the house from time to time. Must be a mouse in the wall. Like just over my head. And then it progressed oh. to turning off lights. Come back in. The lights were back on. Oh. It only it like, kind of made sure that no one else was home at the time. So it mm-hmm. anything it did, it did to frighten me and isolate me
2: so you um, were targeted
1: i was targeted well i brought it in i invited yeah. it so mm. he said, here i am
2: you and- know that's interesting that's one thing people don't talk about is the isolated targeted nature of it that it's smart enough whatever it is to know that no one's gonna believe you if you're there by yourself yeah yeah and uh vicky joy uh anderson
0: who wrote the book um Uh, they only come out at night yeah uh she has a chapter in her book uh about threshold covenants oh yeah vampires with those entities yeah the vampire covenant uh Uh, same type of thing we're going to be talking to her on january 1st she's going
2: to be going into that a little more so Um, scratching on the ceiling like it was a a mouse
1: yeah like a little scratchy noise like above my head didn't really think much of it i would um when i my bedroom was right off the kitchen So, and my brother's bedroom was over the garage and it was a staircase going up. So I would see his light was on, on the staircase and I'm a little OCD. I turn it off, go into the other room, come back on, come back in. And the light would be back on. Then it progressed to changing TV channels on me. The old school phones hardwired, you know, how they were in would ring. But it sounded like it was underwater. It didn't sound like a normal ring. And I would answer and there'd be no one there. The doorbell would ring. No one would be there. Again, underwater sound. It was a weird, drawn-out ring. It just didn't Hmm. sound like a normal ring and scared my dog one day you know my dog Sarah was a shepherd lab mix and she was the best dog she would defend me against anybody (laughs) and I was watching tv one day I'm like Sarah come here and she started coming towards me and she stared at something that was sitting on the side of me and started backing up and cowering and I just looked to my left saw nothing I said I don't need to sit here right now got up um it progressed to one day i was trying to sleep i know this is going to sound all crazy and i started hearing whispering from my pillow like mm-hmm. a small muffled voice and like multiple voices whispering to each other so i would lift my head off the pillow and there was nothing put my head back down whispering would start up again that happened about four times and then it stopped um it kind of culminated there was only one other person that was able to witness one of the paranormal activities that I went through, and that was my best friend growing up. And she would stay at my house a lot, and I would stay at her house, which, by the way, her parents owned a funeral home and lived above the funeral home. <laughs> um, but she was there one day, it was during the day, we were making something to eat, we were by ourselves, and my brother had an acoustic guitar upstairs, and it was just laying against the wall. All of a sudden, one of the strings just started plucking over and over and over again, and Oof. she looked at me, and I was so relieved that someone else finally was able to experience it. Yeah, I would yeah. tell people, and they just went, "All oh, right, you know." <laughs> um, yeah. And then, where it got to the real big point is one day, and as I, and I'm going to give you a little bit of layout. When I was my bedroom, you walk in, it's off the kitchen. There was a tall dresser, and on top of that dresser was a speaker and it was disconnected so it wasn't connected to the stereo and here's my troubled youth i had two beer bottle empty beer bottles that were on top of that speaker and i'm a very clean person very ocd everything has its order i was getting ready in the bathroom heard a clanking noise i thought the cat jumped up on the counter and knocked something off so home sweet home from motley crew was playing on the radio i remember this and ironically home sweet home was the song And I'm walking Hmm. towards my bedroom and I look and I see a beer bottle next to my beanbag chair and I'm like, why is that there? It's like across the room. And I look up and the speaker was turned towards me. The second beer bottle started shaking, lifted up in the air, turned sideways and flew across my room. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah.
1: So it started getting stronger and stronger. It kept me in a state of fear and I had to get out of that by facing it, not responding to it, saying out loud, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to, because I used to check out all the noises. You know, you're not welcome here. And that's how I had to try to get it out. How it ended. I know this is a long story and I'm sorry.
2: No, it's okay. No, I have questions. So (laughs) you're fine.
1: How it kind of ended and I knew it left was, Right above my bed, I had a picture that I drew for an art um, contest and a fair, and it was of a stallion. And it was in a frame picture with glass, and it was right above my bed. And I'm a very sound sleeper, so I don't turn. I just turn back and forth, but I don't really flop around the bed much. And it was right above my pillows. One morning, I wake up and my nose is pressed against the wall. I never sleep against the wall, so I wow. turn over. And that picture that was hanging there for, I don't know how long had smashed on my pillow and all the glass was where my head would have been. Oh, wow. Wow.
3: And
1: nothing ever happened after that. I really believe it came in that through the wall there and went out through the wall. Wow. And smashed the glass on its way out.
2: Wow. Was that kind of the, the high watermark of it? Did it stop after that? Or did yeah, you have it to do anything?
1: after that. I think it left right then
2: weird do you have any theories as to why you think it left
1: i think because i started standing up to it i think it was feeding off my fear yeah. um, to manifest yeah. and i think i had to start with not showing that i was afraid because yeah. it terrified me and i started speaking out to it saying i'm not acknowledging you you don't belong here you're not welcome here i started having to say that out loud when i would hear something
2: yeah Wow. you know for people who are skeptical Uh, And we are not skeptical when it comes to this kind of stuff in the sense that we know these things really do happen. And we are believers in the paranormal. Being Christians, you pretty much have to be. Yeah. Um, And especially if you're biblical, you know. And and so I say this from a friendly place, but what do you say to people? Because we always end up getting, you know, some sort of comment like this. What do you say to people who are like, Oh, you know, either you're just, you know, you're making stuff up or you're schizophrenic or does your family have any history of mental illness? Like, you know, those are always like the standard issue questions, because one of the things that we always encounter is um, modern pharmakia, uh, which is esoteric magic. Um and uh, modern medicine and psychology want to do away, and even churches. The church is a big one. We talked about this with Gabriel Bellow not too long ago. Yeah, the church wants to do away with. They want to rule out anything supernatural and just put it in this little psychology box, right? Mental illness box. Yeah. So you know, I assume no history of schizophrenia. I mm-hmm. assume no major head trauma. Well, her,
0: her friend heard the guitar string plucking, right? Yeah yeah and my
1: dog responded to it as well yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. that's
1: um that's you know i'm not here to convince anybody it's just my story and that's the yeah. reason why i got into the paranormal gotcha wow. and well, so
2: you were 16 when all of this happened 16 to 17 yeah. and then um how did you meet stephen
1: um, we were on the same, well, we are on the same ghost hunting team. It's not really active right now, but, um, that's how we met. We were on the same investigative team.
2: Interesting. So you were already doing this on your own when you and Steven connected, uh, in the team.
1: Yes. I was even in another group before, but my, um, my group members, two were in New Jersey. One was in Long Island. Um, another one was in Pennsylvania, so it was very hard, and I'm from New York, so it was very hard to always get together and do that uh, type
2: of Sure, thing. yeah, yeah. What advice, uh, and Stephen, we got a ton of questions for you too, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Janet, what advice would you give to anyone watching this who maybe has daughters or who is younger or who just has an interest in this sort of thing or thinks it's just kind of innocent fun?
1: I would warn them – be very careful, you're playing with the unknown, yep. um, it's not a joke. You don't know what you're letting in. Um, and I would really say, and I know that I have a lot of friends in the paranormal field that use Ouija boards and say they have no issue, I would say stay away from it 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Steven Tai, the man. I'm glad you're here, man. Thank <laughs> you for uh, joining us. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into a uh, paranormal investigation. <laughs>
3: Well, first off, I'm so glad that, uh, you started off with Janet. <laughs> it's going to be far more interesting. And I have your uh, Jordanian Javonich, I can't pronounce it. Oh, Jardani Javanovic. I'm done,
2: man. It'll sort you through. out. You you won't know, be
3: disappointed. Uh, yeah, my, mine's far less interesting. I'm kind of more of a technical guy. And I kind of think of things from the point of... Uh, you know, the theories of ghosts and also uh, theories of uh, fourth dimension and dimensions and things like that. I can talk to you later about how I think that plays in. But my uh, experience at a young age, probably I only had two. So the first one was, uh, I was probably five or six and uh, my grandmother or great-grandmother died and I was playing hide and seek in... uh, in her room hiding in the closet and as a kid of course i still can't you know fathom this in my head but it felt like these hands grabbed my shoulders and were pulling me back into the abyss Whoa. and uh it scared me to the point where i still remember it today and i'm getting up there a little long in the tooth <laughs> so uh time goes by i have no interest in the paranormal and then uh I go to college, I think I saw someone in your chat that might've said something from Texas, but I went to a college called Stephen F. Austin in McAdooches. And uh, that is known as the oldest town in Texas. And there are many things about hauntings there. So I went to a frat party during rush week, uh, probably my second year there. And uh, one of the houses was supposed to be haunted. And I was using the restroom above this room that's supposed to be haunted and uh i hear this loud banging on the window so it kind of freaks me out i run out and grab uh, or first off i just stopped looked out the window tried to investigate and uh there were no branches hitting, and there was no place for anyone to stand to do that so i thought well that was strange and then it started doing it again and i'm not talking about like tap 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 i'm talking about bang 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 (laughs) so uh, at that point i ran out grabbed the uh, guy and said, you gotta come in here. And then of course I never did it again. So I remember that because there were pictures of like a play and there was like an extra ghost when they took a picture of the play going on. So those were really only my only two. And so uh, I spent about uh, 21 years in the military and I started watching some of the TV shows. And I was like, I wonder if there's anything into that. So after I retired, I kind of uh, started poking around. I had taken a job up in uh, New York in the Buffalo area and uh, joined up with kind of one group. And that led me to meet some people that actually owned uh, haunted places. And uh, I would say if any of your fans have a Facebook page, if they were to look at Iron Island Museum, uh, they often post EVPs and they're not trying to talk, they'll have regular conversations and you will hear the voices come in and they'll actually play those very haunted place. Um, the, uh That led me to another group that kind of did big events. And so we would have uh, some of the uh, TV show stars coming in and investigate some of the more well-known haunted locations in the Buffalo area, but we would expand out too, to like Gettysburg and, and other locations. Yeah, um, those were ones were usually, especially on Halloween. You know, we might have a bunch of TV stars that you can investigate with and uh, uh, charge some money. And so a lot of all mine when there's money charged is always going back to uh, restore the place to the foundation uh, to uh, veterans' societies. There might be times uh, where the state can't afford to fix a bathroom uh, at a lighthouse, so we'll hold an event and give them the money so that they can on their own, like fix things. So I'm kind of charitable in that way. Uh, when I want to help people out, uh, we've done some stuff uh, at Lord Baltimore Hotel. I've been there twice, big place. We had like over a hundred guests, I'd say or around a hundred and uh, all that money uh, went to buying the homeless coats just before winter. So mm-hmm. when someone calls me up and says, uh, we want to hold something, and there's something that's uh, worth giving to, then I usually drive or fly up there and help those people out. Yeah. Um, So since then, out of all those things, that was 15 to 20 years ago. I'm losing track of time. (laughs) But I've been doing it so long that I definitely know things go bump in the night. So uh, whether they're spiritual or not spiritual or a combination, um, I've definitely seen some things in there that have kind of, convinced me and i think maybe later uh we've even sent you a few ideas yeah so uh there's another uh thing i don't know if we're going to play any clips from it tonight it's, it would be something i would suggest yes. because uh if any again you guys got a youtube or something like that i would look up brad b-r-a-d Progler p-r-o-g-l-e-r so it helped uh, in a video that he did it's about 25 minutes uh where he has caught paranormal activity off of his uh nest cams and stuff like that Hmm. we wanted to create a uh a movie he did Uh, I was uh, fortunate to take a small part of it towards the end uh where they had all these different experts come on and try and tell the story from you know layman's point of view what do you see here can you explain this you have uh, guys that work with Michael Jackson that are audio experts, uh, mm-hmm. people, uh, air conditioned people. And so there's a whole video in there. And although I don't like the what we're going to call EVPs, and I'm sure we're talking about that uh, later, but the voices and stuff, <clears throat> the uh, physical movement of objects in that and the manifestation caught from different cameras uh, on that video or uh, something that might say. You know, if you could take that grain of salt and say this is actually happening, I'm not sure what it is, but you will actually see objects flying, apparitions, things like that. So I recommend it for people in, in your guests that might just want to watch something to say, yeah. hey, is this something that isn't like a TV show or anything like that?
2: And what was the name of it again?
3: Uh, the guy's name is Brad Prokler, Progler, P-R-O-G-L-E-R. And yeah. the name of that little documentary is called uh
2: lights out i think mm. lights out i
0: Pardon. think is that the one did you send me that early on when we first started emailing because i remember watching that documentary it happens like in a vape shop that was yeah. in a exactly. unit and a rent it was in a like a strip mm. yeah. on the end of a strip and they just couldn't nobody that particular unit just couldn't keep a business in it. Oh, we have those all the time around here. Yeah. There's a couple places like that yeah. here in this town. Yeah. That's pretty common. Yeah. But nobody ever talks about why uh, mm-hmm. they can't keep business there, but it's like, and we've talked about this before. It's like certain houses. Yeah. There are certain
2: houses that just cannot they keep a tenant. Rotate. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Like every few years, the house will go up for sale yeah. again. And- yeah. And there's
3: all kinds of theories that go behind it, whether it's the type of land it's on, whether there's mm-hmm. running water, Maybe electrical lines close by, mm-hmm. and so all those things we're kind of looking at from a paranormal investigator kind of thing mm-hmm. to see like what what would cause something to to come, and then you have the traditional ones like this place used to be a funeral parlor, so
2: yeah,
3: uh, or, or there were if there was a massacre here like Lizzie Borden's house or something like that. That uh-huh. if there are spirits, the, something that would keep something around, you true.
0: know. Um, one of our, one of our, uh, uh patrons and actually the founder of Jordan, uh, it's hard for me to say for some reason, Mike Fisher just asked the question. He wanted to know if, uh, either of you have seen orbs or moving lights. It sounds like you have. Can you guys talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah. I, I wish I would have sent it to you. I couldn't find it. Excuse me a second. <coughs> I have this, uh, great one. Uh, we had just done, uh, some naval ships off in, uh, Buffalo Harbor And then I went to the uh, uh, Iron Island Museum in Buffalo that I was speaking of. So I was kind of doing multiple locations. One was an event and the other was a private investigation. So uh, the private one, uh, and I'm not a huge Orb fan, but uh, when it happened, I was able to contact the museum and tell them the time that this incident happened. And they were able to provide me the uh, video footage because I didn't have any cameras pointed that way but what we saw was from the corner of the building this orb come flying down and it was self-illuminating so it went over a uh a display case that they have and it lit it up and then it shot around and i had like a half deflated ball on a table it went right to the ball the ball flies off the table and rolls to my foot oh, wow you know and, uh, i wish i would have remembered that one to send to you guys because it's kind of cool to me. <laughs>
2: Well, that's a that's a common thread I'm picking up between you and uh, your stories and Janet's stories. And, you know, one thing that is the physicality of it, one thing that people, you know, always talk about, you know, just in like layman's terms when they're people are speaking about ghosts or the supernatural is like, oh, you can't be afraid of them. They won't you know, they can't interact. They can't touch you. They can't hurt you. But here we have one, two personal stories. And then now a third one from you so one from each of you in your in your childhood, and then now a third one with the ball, of like no, they do interact with the physical world.
3: Yeah, I've been on uh, two events, and uh, outside of Buffalo, I can't remember the name of the place, but uh, it's a man or a manor that they've opened up, and on two occasions, uh, we've had a guest be scratched. Yeah. So we see someone grab and say, oh, something's burning. And we take them into a bathroom or something, turn on the lights, and we see uh, scratch marks on them. So, Man. That, that does happen on occasion. Man, that's great. I, I thought often, maybe I've seen that twice, maybe three times in 18 years. So, it's not an everyday occurrence.
2: Gotcha. Do you have any theories behind why that is, either you or Janet?
1: theories on why it doesn't happen that often
2: or just why does it why does it happen at all because it seems like it's a pretty rare thing both of you guys have experienced it and then as steven says it seems like it's happened maybe a few times in nearly 20 years so it seems kind of a rarity uh that people would be physically harmed by you know a paranormal entity a ghost something like that do you have any theories as to why that would happen in the first
3: place
1: i'll let steven go on this one
3: (laughs) yeah no so i i'm at a loss i can in my head i can say well uh, i guess there's two schools of thought one is if you accept that there are spirits then there's two things so one could be that person was angry in life and so they might act out against somebody. So that's one theory. Another theory is uh, maybe you're uh, dealing with something that's uh, not as friendly and uh, maybe it was never human before. So uh, without going too deep into that, I'm not saying those are my theories. I'm saying that those are probably the two reasons people use to try and explain why did this person just get scratched. Yep. And another thing that uh, that usually causes that is what we call uh, uh, basically antagonizing spirits. So you'll see a lot of people that'll come in. There's one particular show that uh, uh, really rages against whatever might be in there. And so as a person uh, that might wanna go see what this is and see what this is about, uh, one suggestion I would have is not to uh, taunt anything that might be there because it might reply.
2: <laughs> yeah, noted. Yeah. You climb into the cage with the tiger. It's your fault if you get scratched. Yeah, that's right. You know, it um, doesn't really
1: get Physical doesn't necessarily always in an aggressive manner. I was at Knickerbocker hotel in Pennsylvania and I had someone put their hand through my hair. Oh, wow. But it wasn't in a mean way. Yeah. I think it was just like, Hey, I'm here.
3: Really? Yeah. yeah. Not, not everything is perfect. Aggressive,
2: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think it takes an exceptional amount of spiritual force or energy or residual life force to be able to, for a spirit to be able to do that or is that just a random thing or is there some other metric for trying to figure out, you know, why that happens?
1: I have a theory that it takes a lot of energy. I think it takes time to even build up to answer our questions I don't know if these are spirits that have been passed on for a longer time and they've learned how to manipulate this environment um or if it's just that they've been storing energy up to be able to do that i'm not sure
2: yeah steven what about you
3: yeah i think uh a lot of the things i've seen where uh, there's manifestations physical objects being moving uh To me seem to be near uh, a source of power and so uh, i'll give you an example of the vape shop and this is my theory on that so it is in the corner and right behind it all the power lines connect so the electromagnetic field that comes off where that is can be fueling it's not affecting the other businesses Uh, we can't find any History of deaths or anything that occurred in a regular old strip mall, but something that's feeding that they can use to manifest. And so people used to use uh, a long time ago what they called a uh, an EMF pump. Uh, and so uh, they would take this device that would purposely pump out electromagnetic waves in order to hopefully that a ghost could use it to manifest.
2: Like an amplifier.
3: Correct. Okay. So um, It's not great for other types of investigations because once there's a large field of that energy coming out, might be great in theory if that helps something manifest, but you're yeah. not going to be able to use any equipment uh, or other devices or anything like that because the room is going to be filled with it and there are uh, more than theories uh Think this would be science that if you're in a, a large electromagnetic field you can start to get dizzy and affects people differently so people might start seeing and hearing things because they're being bombarded <laughs> by it so I, I don't use it that much uh, i had uh, in the past where uh, say like there's a barn or something on part of the property and i'll put it in there to stir up the barn, but I'm not in the barn. I'm in the house part. And then when I go to there, I'll turn it off and then, uh, uh, you know, see if wow. I catch anything. So in, in those cases, like it worked. So I have a, uh, my first video called I'm a giddy school girl because the camera's facing me and I'm pointing it. you can hear these boots walking above me in the barn. Oh, wow. And then we also caught a, a shadow figure on video really Mm.
0: Mm. i want to get to shadow figures uh here in a minute but one thing i like about your theory and this is going to sound stupid you guys know how i am about technology i like your theory about how um electric fields magnetic fields are kind of like this uh conduit or it kind of connects somehow the the two realms if you want to use that terminology where we have the natural realm, and then there's a supernatural realm or the normal and the paranormal, but it seems like the magnetic fields it bridges the para it, yeah, it thins that the, veil. The yeah. magnetic frequency somehow thins the veil for some of these entities to manifest here. And the reason I like that is because I have a bone to pick with technology, and you look at <laughs> the direction it's going and just how plugged in they want people to be into the metaverse eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about Neuralink.
2: Yeah, or you think
0: about the metaverse. You think about CERN and what they're doing. Yeah, you know, they're uh,
2: weird rituals. That yeah,
0: I mean, it's you know, you we might get in a situation where because of all of that, people are going to start to have things they cannot explain. Yeah, it'll be like fringe. Yeah, they'll be experiencing they can't. Anyway, that's my theory, and uh, that's why I like your theory. (laughs) It's just a theory. Yeah,
3: I I, I even like it at uh, night too. Although Janet will attest too that this stuff happens all day long so i'm just as comfortable with the lights on in the middle of the day investigating a place as i am at night with all the lights off. there's oh, really? benefits for the night but i also think of uh, the ionosphere uh, in the daytime with the sun is kind of compressed and the ions are slower to move and then at night it expands into less level so i know i'm getting into some crazy stuff there but it allows more free movement of, of this type of stuff so uh i'm I'm, I'm not because I'm not sensitive. I'm not a psychic. I don't talk with people. Um, what happens is uh, if somebody says, Hey, I'm experiencing some stuff then I will go there and see if I can document it. And I will go and tell the person I'm not going to pass it on. I'm not going to be able to do it, but I will tell you if you think you're crazy or not, because look what I found. So <laughs> uh, you might want to go to people that, uh, maybe uh, have experience in that field if you're trying to do something else because that's out of my realm. I don't even try to pretend that I could do something like that or I have the ability to do something like that. But I do have the ability to run a camera. I do have the ability to run an audio recorder. I do have the ability to set up some electronic equipment to see if it goes off, things like that. Cool. Wow.
1: But it's what kind of interesting your, when he's talking about EMFs. So you you're looking at a child's room with a TV, with a gaming system, with their mm-hmm. tablet, with lighting, um who knows how that's affecting them just being around that much EMF all the time, too.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What about you Janet when it comes to orbs? Um have you like what has been some of your experiences encountering orbs and how is that type of entity different in its activity than say like a shadow person? I know obviously they're, they're completely different to, to to experience, but what is that, how is that activity different?
1: Well, as far as orbs, I'm not a big orb person either. I, a lot of people that know I'm an investigator will show me pictures and say, Oh, look at this. I took a picture and, and look at these spots on the picture. I don't know if it's dust. I don't know if it is a bug on the lens i mean there's so many things i have witnessed at penhurst asylum i had a laser grid out and that laser grid puts like these pinpoint dots everywhere so you can see if a shadow walks by or not Mm -hmm. and it was it's green and it's kind of hard on the eyes the green but the whole wall in the penhurst asylum basement was green dots and one of the dots was jumping around like this. And my friend and I, I said, Terry, do you see that? We thought it was a bug maybe in the light, like mm-hmm. playing around because if it's hitting the certain lasers in a certain way, and it wasn't, it was actually mimicking one of the laser grid point lights and hopping around. Weird. Now, how is that different than a shadow person? I don't know if it's just a different manifestation of, the same type of spirit i don't know how many manifestations they can go through be it shadow person be it full body apparition be it an orb be it smoke um i've seen whirling smoke before too like i don't know if all spirits can do that or if there are different types of spirits
2: yeah interesting that's actually kind of tied into one of mike's questions he's asking me uh, is it possible that there are different ranks of demonic spirits and have different strengths and powers connected That's a good to good question. And also if spirits have been there throughout a family's history or passed down from parent to child, or I would tag onto that and say, are they maybe more location-based?
1: You want to get this one, Stephen, start off?
3: Well, uh, I can't speak to the demonic part. There are people, in fact... Just two weeks ago, we were at a place where there was a uh, Catholic bishop that uh, played some of the exorcisms and stuff that uh, he's been in, which is quite frightening when you listen to it. Um, But I leave that up to people that study that, uh, understand the differences. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to answer demonic stuff because it's not my field. really, uh, I know that it, I believe that it exists. Uh, If you believe in God, I would think you would have to believe in the devil. So, uh, the yin and yang, sorry, I clicked on my pen here. I'm probably making all kinds of noise. No,
0: that's okay. You're good. Uh, I'll try and hold my
3: arms. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, there's definitely, uh, a chance that you can run into something demonic. So, uh, you need to be careful of that and probably from our line i would never like hold an event or something like that at some demonic place uh, if people were just interested because they've seen it on tv they want to come check out a, a casper the friendly ghost type place those are, those are the kind of the ones that i look at so uh i i hesitate sometimes too because i know i feel uh if you introduce yourself to something demonic, then uh, it will remember your name, and, and, and you may, over time, be affected by that. So I prefer myself uh, not to uh, get into situations. Try not to where I'm dealing with demonic stuff. And I lost your question, so if uh, <laughs> continue to ramble on, I'll just pause for a second.
2: No, that's a that's an awesome answer. Uh, Basically, the nature of the question was uh, generational, uh, generational curses of demonic spirits or, you know, paranormal entities that get passed down from parent to child throughout the generations. Uh, And then if you know, any sort of demonic spirits have any sort of uh, levels of powers or strengths associated with them, um, which I mean, you kind of answered your take on that. Um, But Janet, do you have any? Any um, input as to, you know, the the possible ranking of any sort of demonic spirits and their strengths and powers, and also generational. Uh, no, I, I really don't.
1: I don't study demonology, um, and I know Probably that some smart. people. Yeah, I, I know there's some people that would view us even talking to spirits, and they might view that all spirits are demonic. No. I don't necessarily come from that viewpoint. Um, so I don't know much about demons. I try to stay away from them because just what I had in my teenage years, I don't think was demonic, but it scared me enough. I, I don't want to be oppressed, possessed. I, it's not something I'm, I would run into anything with, I will go into places where they have darker hauntings and it's unknown, but I'm very careful when I go there, like I know there's some investigators that will say, use my energy to manifest. You can touch me if you want. I don't invite them to do anything. Mm-hmm. I know what inviting has caused me. And, and in a way you're still inviting by yeah. interacting. Yeah. But I'm not giving any spirit because I don't know who they are, what they are, it, an invitation to go home with me, to touch me, to use my energy. I'm not doing that.
3: Yeah smart yeah, I, i'm not doing that either i'm not inviting yeah. anything to use my energy and uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, people that deal that uh, do ghost hunting and stuff like that uh, over the years are people that have strong religious backgrounds so uh, uh, we're doing protective prayers before doing protective prayers after um that
2: so- was yeah okay that was one of the questions i was going to actually <laughs> I was going to ask um is if uh well we'll get to that question in a second because I know that one that Nick wanted to ask yeah. uh was about uh locations.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was act- well, it was one that Jonathan had come up with uh, before we started the interview and it's it, I would really love to know if there are any locations that you guys won't investigate like you just flat out refuse. Let's start with the uh, Janet
1: at one point because of the history and just word of mouth and what they have said about it, it was hinsdale um hinsdale house that i was very afraid to investigate again i i'm about facing my fears because i refuse to let something get the best of me so i did investigate it last year it was in a big group though and that's a really small house so i couldn't get much evidence um and i didn't have any negative experience out of it but it was positive for me because it frightened me so much just thinking about it that I had to do it.
2: <laughs> Get over
1: it. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I, I don't know offhand of any places that I wouldn't investigate. I mean, if there was a information that was demonic and definitely demonic, I may stay way far away from that. But Really? Yeah.
0: What about you, Steven?
3: What? I have gone to a couple places that have been a little dark, but the thing is when I've gone to them, I've been with professionals that have been doing this for 20, 40 years that are religious. And like I said, we try and take precautions and we're not, you know, saying prayer before or after, uh, we're not uh, taunting anything in there to try and make anything violent. Uh, it could be just as simple uh, today that we're just sitting here talking right now. And if I was running this recorder, if this place was haunted, I might start getting voices responding. Interesting. Just a general conversation. And I'm not even trying to stir anything up. I don't do that in my house because I don't uh, like to do things where I live. <laughs> yes. You don't want to know. I don't yeah. want to know. Yeah. Have you, do you guys I, uh, think that? My wife, uh, <clears throat> sorry. I've been okay. to the Hensdale house before. It's a, uh, Been in the uh, newspaper since the 1970s. It's in New York in a little town out in the middle of nowhere on about seven acres. That was a uh, former stagecoach stop. And there were some people that were killing people at the stagecoach stop and throwing them in the water, burying them in different places. And so in the 70s, although when we think of exorcism, it's usually a person. In my opinion, you should probably be focused on a person that might be possessed. They actually did a cleansing slash exorcism of the house so my experience there i spent three days there i slept there Uh, i lived there Um, i had uh, some voices that seemed to be kind of mocking me uh, almost in a fun way things playing with me but i did not uh, experience anything that said like get out or die or I'm Satan or, or, or any uh, recordings like that. So it was, uh, for me, it was an experience, especially when you get to stay in one place for three days. Uh, you know, you get more chance of things to happen. And so uh, that, that was my experience. But going in, I knew the history. So there's some interpretation when, you know, before you go into a place like that. Uh, I went into a place called uh, the Horsefly Chronicle House. And so there was a a guy, I think he's a YouTuber and a podcaster. He's written some books and he believes he was pulled from hell kind of in some level and that uh, he's being haunted. So he has a modern house and that that is what's causing the haunting in his place. I got a few hours in there. I didn't come across anything, so I had no evidence at the end of it, but uh, I don't want to discount him because I know he's got a whole uh, thing going off of this. Uh, but that did make me not nervous knowing there's some place called the hoax Fly Chronicle <laughs> house. Uh, where's a third? You know, I'm a little bit nervous, honestly, with this vape shop. Uh, really? Because yeah. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Not ready to put the stamp on demonic, but uh, or is it poltergeist? Because we haven't really talked about the difference types of haunts.
0: have you been back since the documentary was made I, I have
3: uh, in fact uh, I sent you something that happened recently yeah the uh, and I have some other stuff but I can't play that because uh, I might do another documentary myself I have some people that are interested in uh, putting up another documentary with some more evidence and more voices and stuff like that yeah uh, So I can't, I wasn't able to share that with you, but I get a little sneak preview with that. uh, I'm not sure how we can hear the voices or whatnot, but uh, that's uh, my quick plug and I promise that that'll be it. (laughs) So uh, a friend of mine, uh, so I'm a retired uh, intel officer from the Army. Uh, I've worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency and uh, now I provide support for counterterrorism. For, so you're
2: used to listening to people, basically. <laughs>
3: yeah. so, so given that background, I've run into other people. And so, uh, in fact, uh, how we came across is a good friend of mine who had a relative. And I, uh, he has a podcast, and that's how, how we got together. So that left me with another special agent, with another retired special agent that uh, are involved in some filming and stuff. So they called me out the other day and say, hey, we want to do like a pilot. And so we picked out a couple places, uh, Bertels plantation in Louisiana, this place for a, a pilot in South Carolina and uh, probably a place in New York next after that. And so this thing is going to be called paranormal intelligent investigations. And it's not because we're more intelligent. It's just because we all have intelligence as agents and officers. Of gotcha. Intel business. So cool. it's kind of a play yeah. on that. So what, uh, I like to uh, it's hard right because everyone says is that real is that real and it's kind of uh, you know uh, a way to at least for us to say we have a little bit of bona fides we've had you know, clearances with the government we've we've worked and we've deployed all these terrorist locations and stuff like that so we're not going to try and fool you we'll get something or we won't or we will we're it's not going to be a tv show for entertainment it's going to be more like a documentary so that's coming Uh, but not till maybe January Okay. Thanksgiving and Christmas
2: (laughs) (laughs) when uh when it comes time where can people find that will it be like on TV will it be streaming will it be on YouTube
3: I think the plan right now is uh it's going to be on YouTube they're they're just trying to this I know they're doing some other filming because my friend just sent me some pictures and he was filming with Eric uh, was it Eric Roberts Julia Roberts, the mm-hmm. brother, and they were doing yeah. some type of film. He didn't tell me the name, but he was just sending me, you know, them hanging out. So, uh, so they do have some Hollywood stuff going on. And cool. this one I think is going to be YouTube. But if there's a big enough audience that kind of enjoys that, maybe we'll look at seeing if we can expand that.
2: Okay. That kind of did answer one of my questions. I was going to ask you if uh, your military experience had helped steer you in the direction of your paranormal investigations, either, you know, maybe being assigned to somewhere in Nevada or, you know, other black sites or foreign countries or anything like that. But it seems like your intel work was, um, did that supplement at all? Or was there, aside from just like finding the X-Files or finding other stuff and just getting into yeah. this, was there anything in your military experience that kind of steered you in this direction?
3: I think I can say, uh, yeah, so uh, I speak three other languages besides English, uh, Arabic, Spanish, German. Okay. So I'll get into some places where I might use the language if I'm doing something internationally. Uh, like one time I was in Jordan looking at a, an old fortress that Lawrence of Arabia used to uh, work out of. So I went up to his office and I was using Arabic to see if I could get any kind of response. I didn't that day, but (laughs) the other part is uh, uh, for part of my time, I did uh, interrogations. So sometimes I've tried to word things or something that I might use in an interrogation, even a law enforcement type interrogation or an intelligence Mm -hmm. and and try to word something that way to get a a response other than like yes, no. So those might be two incidences, but for the most part, uh, i would say no other than it taught me how to use a computer uh, things like that that i can use now to listen to audio and blow it up and all the great things you do with podcasting and all that
2: yeah yeah um how do you approach so you kind of talked about this a little bit as far as like praying beforehand or afterwards but like is how do you approach rituals involving hauntings Uh, one of my questions was going to be do they help or hurt your investigation they seem to help are there any times where you've worked with anybody and you've ran into a series of types of rituals whether it's burning sage or putting you know oil over doors you know any sort of exorcist style or witchcraft style rituals either good or bad that have helped or hurt your guys investigations
1: I think every paranormal investigator has their own way of protecting themselves. Um, Some people do use sage. Um, I can't stand the smell of sage. I don't like the smoke smell. (laughs) Um, I know there's some people that carry holy water on them. Some people that have like medallions, like with St. Michael medallions, everyone has their own within their own belief system of how to protect themselves. Um I've never really seen anything negative but then I wouldn't be hanging around with people in the paranormal that are trying to stir up or conjure yeah. more things um in that way. So
2: are there any rituals that you've encountered that were meant to be positive but you find over and over again are that have negative consequences that make it worse is are there any mistakes out there that people are making when it comes to that sort of stuff
1: well i'm sure there are i haven't seen it personally again most people do some people don't even say anything when they go into an investigation they're praying in their own head or they're doing their own thing prior to even getting to a location because not only is a location a place could be haunted the land could be too yeah Yeah. So a lot of people just do their own thing. I have not seen anything, maybe Stephen has, that has been a negative in the way they handle
3: things. No, I I think most of mine, except uh, we do have a friend or two in the paranormal that uh, uh, may not have Christian religious points of view. So uh, those, those people might have different rituals, uh, whatever they want to do is what they want to do. It usually happens for me a- after the fact. And so I'm uh, uh, comfortable with uh, praying to the Lord and, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm good with that. I, I, I'm not big on uh, sage and I, I, I don't care if people use it. I mean, just not me, uh, yeah. but the, uh, I don't think I've seen it negatively affect I, I mean we usually don't do a ritual before we might say a prayer uh, to Jesus and say protect us and, and things like that uh, but uh, that, that's about it and I've never had it that I know of an investigation ruined because we, we prayed before and after
2: yeah good um, I bring it up because uh, one one of our uh, patrons Shannon uh, I think it was Shannon who had mentioned um, that she was a witch. She was a, a lesbian witch for a while and then she got saved. And uh, But she had a lot of paranormal stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we hear this repeatedly that her experiences, many other people's experiences, including mine and Nick's, as yeah. far as dreams go, that when you encounter paranormal things or what you think might be alien abductions or something supernatural, you know, really there's power in the name. Yep. And when you start saying Jesus' name as a defensive measure, uh, it seems to have a pretty positive effect um, when things you know start to get kind of aggressive. Uh, and then our narrator, uh, Adam Burle, um his father is an Anglican priest who was tapped to be on the exorcism team that they had out there in Bury St. Edmunds in England. And uh, he takes a much more, um, how would you call it, a a much more therapeutic approach to his exorcisms. It's not a confrontational thing at all that he does. Um, But it's still from a Christian perspective of helping these people move on from these Mm -hmm. spots that they're trapped in. Mm -hmm. Do you guys ever work with exorcists or do you have anybody like that, uh, like on retainer or incorporated into your teams?
3: So, uh, I'll start off. So, yeah, I do. I have a friend of mine. He uh, runs a paranormal group and he only helps out families. So, he doesn't do like the events. I mean, he, he will help out if uh, it's needed. But I have him on standby. Uh, we both have, uh, not that we have them on standby, but uh, I have reached out before. And there are people that, uh, a couple people that have, been studying demonology for years and that probably we could reach out to and say hey i'm having this issue i'm not sure what it is And your experience what do you think and those people actually study that and so uh again the, i can tell you like some of the people they'll play some of the exorcism they've been involved with uh, and, and it's pretty creepy to hear so uh think we would have that between our connections with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. We, we could get a hold of a demonologist if it came to that
0: so you do have sometimes you guys have people reaching out to you in desperation because something's going on maybe in their home they can't explain it they just want it to stop um janet have you ever had someone reach out to you with that particular need
1: i have a lot of co-workers that will say my house is haunted and i'll be like why do you say that Mm -hmm. but I don't have a lot of people asking me to investigate their house. I usually do not like doing residences only because you can stir up a lot more by doing an investigation in someone's house. And I don't want to be responsible for creating even worse activity. These people have to live in this house. They may have children. I am not going to even think that I could possibly, there are some people, that probably can move on spirits. I don't move on spirits. If a spirit says pray for us, I will pray for them, but I don't want to bring more trouble to a person's house. So I usually just do major locations, asylum, prisons, yeah. those type of places because I don't want to be, I really don't want to be responsible for somebody yeah. this stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you've encountered firsthand just how, aggressive these things can manifest yeah. and, and torment someone yeah, early true. on when all this started. Uh, that yes, makes, and I, wanna, that
1: I makes do want to like hint. on. I know back before when Stephen was saying about provoking um, that there are some people that provoke in the fields. I don't mm. just not provoke because to act, you know, that it will cause more issues. I also look at it as if these people are really stuck, if there is a segment of these spirits or whatever they are, that are stuck and they can't move on. I do not want to make them feel worse. I mean, can you imagine a bunch of people coming in and asking you a ton of questions, wanting you to be like a trick pony? Can you knock on this wall? Can sure. you, answer yeah. us? how old are you? When did you die? I mean, some of these people may be tormented on the other side. I'm not about to make them feel worse. So I have that empathy for, the spirit field in the world um, just not to aggravate them because they may be tormented in their self.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That makes sense. What is your guys ultimate objective for uh, this kind of thing? Is it just to do research and catalog or is it to uh, help spirits move on? What is your primary goal in what you're doing?
1: Mine is more just trying to find some answers, like why are they stuck here? Who are they? Um, and I, and the more I'm in this field, the more questions I have than answers. Um, it's more <laughs> right. of a curiosity than anything. I do not have an objective. I do not. I'm not really media savvy. I don't have <laughs> the goal. I would love to be able to help them more. So when I when I saw um, an exorcist once. I asked, what could I do to help? Because I don't want to move them past. He said, just pray for them. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: That's so, awesome advice.
1: And I have had spirits ask, pray for me, pray for me. Really? Yeah, I've had that several times. I did get out a lot, too. But pray for me. <laughs> I've been thanked when I said, you know, if I because I'm not a psychic or a medium. I don't yeah. move past. So one group, this was a residence locally. I thought it was going to be kind of like chill, but it was kind of crazy, but the spirits were actually saying up, up, like they wanted to go up. And so the person that was leading this investigation had a friend who's a psychic medium who was going to move them on, but wasn't with us, told them, we'll bring this woman back to help you move on. And they actually answered. Thank you. Wow. Yeah.
2: It really is just people. Then get out and pray yeah. for me. Yeah. Thank
1: you. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly.
0: You a lot, by the way. But you know, that's that's really interesting though, because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of Christians, think that whatever's on the other side, it's either angels or it's demonic. You yeah. know, and they don't entertain the uh, the idea that it might might be other types of. They might even be stuck human entities or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying, why would an angel need your prayer? right why would a demon ask for your prayer <laughs> right yeah uh, if they know yeah. there's no chance of going up yeah it's uh, just an interesting thought you know yeah. something to entertain something that I'm know, inter- I'm thinking about it right now I, I that thought has never occurred to me before and uh, this has been a great conversation yeah.
1: there's there's one theory I have and it's just a, in the back of my head about some maybe why they're not moving on and this is I might be totally wrong I'm wondering if some of these spirits have come from a Christian background and when they pass on they're so afraid of who they were or what they have done that they're afraid of judgment so they don't move past that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean it's just a theory like what if they're afraid of judgment what if they don't think they're good enough you know to make it to the next place and they just stay there
2: that was always my theory with the Heavenly Realms novels. When the demons, who were like the cannon fodder of the fallen angels, you know, is that really they were just like tormented spirits whose fear or anger or negative emotion kept them separated from God and kept them kind of trapped here, yeah. but. So I don't know how true that was. It was just it worked That's within the cosmology thought. of of a novel series, but <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. But I don't know how much it translates into reality. Stephen, what about you? Um, what is your objective uh, with your paranormal investigations?
3: Um, it used to be early on. Um, is there anything? Do things really go bump in the night, or is this TV show crazy? Uh, <laughs> as I found that out. I think it's almost like uh ufos today you know everyone's kind of recognizing that there's something out there we don't know what it is but Mm -hmm. it's being captured on camera so i think there's plenty out there that might show from thousands of people that are doing this uh capturing stuff and especially with social media today putting things on camera that eventually it's going to be kind of mainstream Mm -hmm. to at least accept something happens Uh, if we pull away the religious part from it for a minute uh, i think we can say something unexplained happened it'd be like an unidentified thing i don't know why the yeah. just flew across the, the room there's no reason for it that, mm-hmm. that makes any sense and so uh, i would say now i would think more i just i'm going to uh, agree with janet too i have only done a few um private places. And and I know groups that specialize in that, and good, they're good groups. But for me, I have a full-time job. Even today, even though we've had COVID and I haven't done it in a while, I might fly to different countries. So I, I don't have time to marry myself to someone that's having an issue. So once you take on a private case, just because you go in on day one, you, you're actually their subject matter expert. So every time something happens, you're kind of tied to uh, this family in my opinion and so i will help out a friend every once in a while if it's like a personal friend but i'll get emails and they'll say like hey i'm I'm having this uh, experience can you check it out and because i'm networked i know who in that town i would choose to uh, do that and then i would say call this or i might call the group myself and you know on pm and say hey can you talk to this person and so just like uh, your guests are looking at us like we're kooks uh when <laughs> we go out and investigate places too uh we traditionally especially for home things we're we're worried about that you know yeah get this email i've got this stuff going on we're trying to figure out and this might come out too where uh, i've had some quite a bit of uh, interrogation training and neuro reflexes in the eyes and stuff like that. So when I'm having these interviews, uh, helps me determine from neuro linguistics, whether it's something they're fabricating in their head or, or they're actually at least visually seeing this. And, and so there are times that I would be like, I wouldn't recommend this case because- yeah. I think this person's a little uh, cranky. Uh,
2: <laughs> right, you do have to you have to do a little bit of profiling, I'm sure, to assess uh, whether it's an unreliable narrator situation or not. And so I, yeah, the, those
3: friends of mine that specialize in that, it's yeah. an extensive interview. Uh, they're asking them to show proof. Uh, I just watched an amazing tape. I, I can't give it to you because it's uh, an ongoing one. But this guy's got a. Uh, the camera because he's worried about the paranormal activity in his house and you just catch this creepy shadow thing looking around and walking around. Oh, right. so, so the so creepy
2: ones are like
3: that type oh, of guy is sending some type of evidence to that investigator yeah that they can look at it and go okay maybe there's something more so what we would recommend is if a family in my opinion was feeling like their house was haunted or stuff you know, self-document that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get a better chance that a paranormal team that's really good anyway will take the time because nobody gets paid for this. This is not a profession unless you're on TV and getting paid. Uh, so they're taking their time out. They're buying their own equipment. They're coming. They they really do want to help the, yeah. those groups. But, uh, but if they had to take on a million people that said, uh, uh, you know,
2: please tell me you take Venmo donations because I, if I were in your, I would never do this for free. <laughs> I mean, you're far more charitable than I. Am. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I think it's uh, it's something that, that we do. We don't, there, there may be groups that charge. I'm not aware of any. Yeah. They're not in my circle, but <laughs> most people will take as example, this guy providing this type of evidence and say, you know what? You're, you you do have something going on, so yeah. let me see uh, what I can do about it. And they uh, yeah, all but them... for
1: events we do charge, but that money goes towards either restoration of the place or yeah. or different charities,
2: charitable causes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, that's so awesome. um Well, and I imagine people probably lean on you guys pretty heavily uh, when they're reaching out to you because a lot of people get you know paranoid. Yeah. Or they feel sure. insecure about sure. it. Sure. You know, and it's like, man, I don't know if I'm crazy or if there really is like a demon in my TV. Yeah. You know, and, and there probably is by the way, ladies and gentlemen, like the TV was <laughs> it's put definitely there. in your smartphone. Yeah. 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 That <laughs> dude, I, I really do. I think so. Like there, there was a little conspiracy theory about like a little, a little diode in the TV that creates like a little miniature black hole, you know, that like lets demonic energy out. i yeah, it's one of like the weirder, sillier, or sucks theories. out all of your virtue. <laughs> but like, yeah, but I really do kind of believe that, man. Like, one in every household, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, I could see, I could see how people would re- really kind of lean on you guys pretty heavily as like, you know, the Indiana Jones of their or the Obi Wan Kenobi of their awful yeah. home experience. Because the the most frightening thing is something happening in your home. Yeah, you know, because there's, there's nowhere else to go. Yep, there's nowhere to retreat. Yeah. So yeah. it, it, what you guys are doing is really, really important for a lot of people. And I um, think uh,
3: another thing with the private investigations is generally people who really don't know me, even though I might do a couple of interviews with them and stuff, are generally not giving me the keys to their house. <laughs> we, we would like them to, but they often show up. So during an investigation, I might do like live playbacks. So I can take, for instance, this recorder and ask a few questions and then stop it and then play it out loud and then hear the responses. And so sometimes there are people that are affected hear what's coming out and they break down and there's crying. And uh, it's hard to get, for me personally, it's hard for me to get the family out of the picture because they want to be involved. And maybe there's a time for them to be involved because they're the one being infected, but they want to be 100% like in it so uh sure that makes it hard all these difficulties for me make it hard so i i really appreciate the people that do it to help families and uh, i just gotta time manage myself i can't i can't
2: (laughs) yeah no (laughs) i hear you well speaking of time management i think we want to take a quick intermission because we've asked a lot of Interesting questions. You guys have given some amazing responses, but we still have probably at least half a dozen other, like really, like the meat of what we yeah, want to yeah. really talk about. Some pretty awesome stuff, uh and we're gonna wait until the back end of the intermission, if that's okay with you guys, to get to those.
0: Yeah, you guys, good we're taking a maybe a four minute breaking
3: and then reconvening. Yeah. All I'll
0: right, go. very. Yeah. Uh, yeah all yeah, right, sounds
3: good. I would, uh, my eyes are too old. I can't read all the comments. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I been,
1: and I'm sorry, I hadn't been paying attention to the comments and I apologize to everybody in the chat room. I just I get distracted trying to read them all. So yeah, just, that's all right. It's that's a
2: lot. That's- no, a lot of times our chat is actually pretty self-sustaining. Like we try to scan as we're talking and listening. To see if any questions pop up for the guests. But a lot of times, uh, we have such a great community here at the Goslings that, like, a lot of times they're just talking to each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a cool community. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So uh, we
0: have. We just hope they're here on the back end of the intermission.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Don't go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't go anywhere. anywhere. Everyone
1: has. (laughs) Say that again. Don't go anywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Refill your coffee mugs, uh, refill your uh, bourbon glasses, unfill uh, your bladder. Unfill your uh, yeah, un- <laughs> unfill your bladder and uh, you guys we will be back in four minutes three minutes and 57 minutes seconds and
2: 57 seconds
0: well that's it for this episode guys we would love it if you tell your friends about the show maybe leave us a good review and also consider becoming an honorary gosling an official exclusive membership to the gosling gets you exclusive access to interviews and conversations that we can't have on youtube plus you'll get free digital downloads of some of our books and excerpts and writing Uh, also and check this out you get to participate in a live monthly discord chat with us Uh, we do this once a month now Um, all this plus more if you join our community on patreon for just five dollars a month i mean that's nothing five dollars a month it's a cup of coffee so go to patreon.com forward slash the goslings and sign up today. Thanks for listening. Now go forth and strike down the darkness.